This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. This episode is brought to you by Physician CEO. Finally, a business program for busy doctors just like you. Get the skills of branding, marketing, entrepreneurship, and combine those with your gifts as a physician. Be known as a doc outside the box and define your future. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. Welcome to Docs Outside the Box Podcast. This is your official show, looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry. You're getting real live insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko. What's good, everyone? Thank you for tuning in. So let me set the record straight. I listen to a ton of podcasts and I listen to podcasts that cover so many different genres. And the big things that I listen to are sports, comedy, personal finance, which probably you'll see the most of my podcasts in this genre, politics, personal development. I listen to a lot of different podcasts. And as y'all know, and by y'all, I mean you podcast nerds just like me, The podcast world is getting more and more crowded. It's really hard to stand out. There's so many different podcasts that are just popping up, particularly in the personal finance world. And I listen to personal finance mainly because I've learned that it's really the crutch of so many decisions that we make in life. And if you want to be able to make those big boy decisions, big girl decisions, to have the freedom to make those decisions, it really entails having money or at least making smart decisions with your money. And I'm going to be honest, I've neglected it for a long period of time. So having these podcasts allow me to level up and really understand where I need to be with my money. Now, as a physician, though, or wherever you are along the attainment of getting a health professions degree, it's really hard to focus on money as well as smart decisions, at least on a weekly or maybe even on a monthly you know, basis, right? Like every day you feel like you're literally drinking from a fire hydrant with all things related to medicine. You just want to make it you know, to the end of the day. But I have a solution for you. There's one podcast for you busy-ass professionals that I think you all need to have on your playlist because it's on mine and I enjoy it. It's called Popcorn Finance, and it's about helping you better understand your personal finances, literally in the amount it takes to make a bag of popcorn. This show is like that. I like it because it gives you short, actionable tips for busy professionals just like you and I And it's been out for about three years now and has made a name for itself, even earning a Plutus Award for this. If you don't know what a Plutus Award is, basically, it's the Grammys for personal finance. Look it up. I'm not lying. (laughs) So on this show, I'm going to be chopping it up with the host. His name is Chris Browning, coming all the way from California. And you're going to learn more about the man behind this podcast. But we're also going to focus on three things busy professionals can do right now to control their finances better. You're also going to hear about why docs have a target on their back. So in keeping with the theme of popcorn finance, which is to give short, actionable advice in the amount of time it takes to 
make a bag of popcorn. I'm going to keep my intro short. So without further ado, I present Chris Browning, host of Popcorn Finance. Let's do it. Chris Browning, host of Popcorn Finance. What's up, man? How you doing? Welcome to Docs Outside the Box. Oh, man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate the invite. Man, I feel like you're a celebrity, which you are, man, because <laughs> I listen to your podcast every time it comes out. I use it either when I'm driving to work or if I'm working out. But basically, the audience, if y'all don't know, Chris Browning has a really great podcast. It's called Popcorn Finance, basically giving personal finance information in about the time that you can <laughs> and to, to let your popcorn go in the microwave. But lately, you've been going a little bit longer than that, but it's all good, though. It's all good. Um, but welcome to the show, man. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, sometimes you want to just pop one kernel at a time until you have a bowl. So sometimes it takes a little bit longer. It's handcrafted. So, you know. <laughs> hey man, it is what it is. It is what it is. I like it because your episodes are short, they're sweet, but they're really informative. And also at the same time, like they don't go too much into the clouds. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how like some podcasts when they talk about or the information that they give is so like they're so information heavy. Like you feel like you need to have a notebook while you're listening to them. And in some, you know, amounts it kind of turns me off. But I really like how you approach you know, your episodes, it's almost like you're having conversations with your guests or even just conversation with your audience. So kudos to you for that, man. Appreciate it. You know, it was all about what would I want to hear? So I try to craft the show into something that I would want to sit down and listen to. Yeah, man, I think that's a good point because, you know, oftentimes we like people who create podcasts, we forget, you know, like, first of all, what is it that I would want to listen to if I was creating my own podcast or listening to my first podcast? Or what is it that the audience wants to hear? So I like the fact that you kind of have the audience in mind and even you, your interests in mind. And first of all, congratulations on getting a Plutus Award for your podcast, which is huge. Oh, thank you. And it's hard to stand out because there's so many different personal finance blogs and podcasts. So man, mad props to you. I know. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was a huge surprise. You know, my goal was I was just trying to get nominated. I was like, if someone could just say my name on the nomination list, I'll be happy. <laughs> like, mama, I made it. <laughs> exactly. How long have you been doing this podcast for now? So it'll be three years in June of this year. So I started back in uh, end of June, 2017. What prompted you to start the podcast? Oh man. So I started the show because one is like, I love creating stuff. That was like always my passion. Like even when I was a kid, I was making like videos with my friends. We were making wrestling videos. And when I got to college, I had a friend who had a video game podcast and I would do the production and editing for him and no one was listening to it, but I was doing all the work. And uh, it was just one of the things that I've always said is kind of creative itch things I like to do. But I ended up going to school as an art major. After a semester and a half, I figured that was not for me. <laughs> so I ended up switching, becoming a finance major, graduated in the uh, middle of the recession, couldn't find a job, ended up being an accountant. And that just, you know, just sucked the soul out of my life. And it was mm. one of those things where it's like, I wanted to teach finance. I went to school to learn how to teach people about how to handle their money. And I ended up doing this job that was nothing close to that. And the podcast became my outlet to do that. I was like, well, if no one's going to pay me to do this. Let me do this just because I enjoy it and have fun with it. So that's where the podcast was born from. Mm, I get it. I get it. That leads to my next question, because I want to ask you about, you know, the degree in finance. So the degree that you have in finance, it's not like kind of theory based. It's actually like you can use that for your even your own personal finances. Yeah. So, you know, it was all by chance. So I went to school. I chose um, a school out here called Cal State Fullerton. It's a local state university out here in Southern California. And I chose them because they had a pretty good art program and was still close to home. I could commute. I get out there. When I figure out I don't want to be an art major, I was like, well, I just happened just by chance. I was taking a finance class as a general education course. 
and it just covered like a broad overview of money and the stock market. It was just very high level. You know, it wasn't really, you know, into the weeds too much. But I was like, this is, this is fascinating. None of this in school. My family, we never talked about money. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to be a finance major. So I went, changed my major to finance. And it just happened to be that they had a emphasis within the finance degree. Well, because finance is already kind of like an emphasis on business. So it was like business, finance, right. concentration in financial planning. And I went back and oh, forth. Oh, now right? that makes sense. Okay, now I get it. Okay. So I was like, do I want to do corporate finance? I don't want to do financial planning as my concentration. And I was like, you know what? Personal finance or financial planning sounds way more interesting. And this is kind of what drew me in. was like learning about all these little things that you have to know about in your life. So I ended up switching, choosing uh, financial planning as my concentration. And little did I know that Cal State Fullerton it has one of the big, I think they have the largest business program in California. I had no idea. Just by chance, I chose the school and ended up being a great program, learned a ton. And that's kind of how, what got me started in this, this direction of uh, talking about finance. What'd you learn about your own personal finances when, you know, through all of this studying and now helping people? I learned I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I like that game, peep game. All right. I, was like, I know. I was just like, honestly, like, I don't know any of this stuff. And it was like, it opened my mind and my eyes to how complex handling your finances can be but also how simple it can be at the same time. There's, there's four concepts that anyone can learn to give them guidance and help put them on track to managing their finances. Because the finance industry, I think a lot of the advertisements you see, people here speaking about it, like on the big news channels, sometimes they're using a lot of big words and they're talking about yeah. really big yeah. concepts. And, trying to confuse right? you. And it's like, you need to pay someone to help you. You don't understand any of these words. But really, most of us, we can just learn a few things, a few basics, and really take control of our finances in a meaningful way. So for me, it was like, I don't know any of this, but the more I can learn, the more I understand it, the more I can turn this into something that's more digestible for myself to understand. And then in turn, now I may say, hey, here's what you need to know. Here's what this means. Um, and kind of walk people through, you know, understanding what they're handling their money is going to be all about. So do you now work with individuals or are you working with businesses? All my financial education side of things, I do just strictly through the podcast. So it's all through really? releasing the episodes on topics that I think people are really interested in. When I got my first job out of college after about a year, so I spent a year looking for work. I was working as a uh, bank teller supervisor <laughs> right out of college. Couldn't find a job. When I finally found one, ended up being supervising a payroll department. And that kind of took my career. I did, ended up managing payroll for seven years after I graduated college and never ended up transitioning over to financial planning field that I plan on. Cause I kind of got, you know, you get comfortable. You end up, I got a paycheck. This is my career path. So the podcast ended up being my passion project where it keeps me up to date. So it forces me to continue to read and learn and figure out what's going on in the world when it comes to money, but then also it gives me an outlet to talk about it and interact with people. Wow. 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 You know, it's uh, really interesting when you talk about, you know, the concepts being really easy. Uh, Cause I agree with you. Like, I feel like you know, the message is this stuff is so complicated that you really should have someone help you with this. And particularly in my field, like you have a lot of doctors nowadays, like we feel like we have a target on our mm. back, right? Like we spent all of these years just literally like mastering how to be a, you know, a master of the body, yeah. so to speak, and just kind of just snubbing our nose at finances. Like, I ain't got time for this. Like my profession is too noble to be worrying about money, you know? And now you see like, or you hear about the horror stories of people you know, messing with like whole life insurance or people, 
you know, purchasing and going through lifestyle creep and purchasing things that they really shouldn't purchase, working until the 70s. So there's a new group of uh, physicians who are really young, who are in my age group and even younger, who are really taking, you know, their finances by the reins. But there's still a lot out there, a lot of people out there who are just like, I'm just too busy to focus on my finances, which is understandable. And then that's where your podcast comes in. And that's why I really like it, because I think that you give it in really digestible snippets. It's not too long. Like I said, you can listen to it on your way to work. So yeah, I'm really interested, you know, for people who are in our frame of reference, people who work hard, busy, you know, and quote unquote, don't have the time to really learn this personal finance stuff. Like what are the top three things that you think that we should do so that we can kind of wake up, take charge of our finances and make sure that we're not like that guy who's retiring in their 70s because you kind of just had a little too much fun in your 40s and 50s <laughs> or even 30s, man. Bought that Tesla when you really shouldn't have. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I see enough of them on the streets out in California every day. I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe. Oh, Chris, where you are, I'm sure there's a lot of, this Tesla's everywhere, everywhere right? Everywhere you turn, I'm like, how many millionaires we got living out here? Everybody got anyone has a Tesla. <laughs> But you know, I want a Tesla so bad, but now, like, I know personal finance has gotten to me because I'm like, if I get this Tesla, it's going to add like an additional like 10 years to me working. <laughs> right. So that's how I think now. So, but my bad, I interrupted no, no, you. No, it's okay. And you know, for people coming, you know, in the medical field, graduating, you have a target on your back because people see high earner. Like, oh, I know the earnings potential of this person and I know I can have a commission. I can get off of this person. So people in your position, you really have to be a little more cautious about you know, knowing something about your finances and not letting someone mislead you or push you in a direction that is going to be in their benefit and not yours. So for me, number one, biggest thing, you just got to understand where you are. That's the key to any decision when it comes to your money. You can't start, you know, investing in this and buying this property and paying towards this loan and, you know, scattering yourself all over the place if you don't know where you are right now. Yeah, because I agree who knows you. if that decision is the right decision for you. It may be good for someone else you know, but that doesn't mean that's where you need to be focusing your time and your energy. So it sounds... A lot of bad decisions get made in a surgeon lane. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, so how much money did you, you know, make like, off of that, that new stock you just bought? Tell me more about right, that. You know? you know it. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going with this. Yep. yep. Everyone is an expert. Everyone has that hot tip that's going to triple your money in a week. But you know what? You may not want to jump in on that. You may want to take your time. And when I tell this advice, it's always like the most boring thing in the world. People are like, you know... Can you tell me something more interesting than this? But the biggest thing you can do to help yourself understand your current financial position is to take a month, maybe take two months, and just look at all the money you're spending. Where is your money going? Because most people don't oh, know. I mean, man. I know I didn't know for years. I was just like, I know I got paid. I know I bought some stuff. And I know I don't have any more money now. I, I didn't know that big middle chunk of where the money was going. And that's the best thing you can do. You didn't spend it on rims? <laughs> I did, you know what? I did not. I had a friend who did. And I have a picture of him posing with his rims. And I said, <laughs> They're spinning. They're spinning. He couldn't afford the spinners. He, he had the basics. But I send him that picture every, every six months just to remind him of what he did. But uh, <laughs> it sounds so basic. But really sitting down, tracking your expenses for a month or two, it gives you a great picture of what you're doing with your money. And then now you know where you can make those changes. So that was one of the keys that me and my wife did when we decided we wanted to pay off our debt. Before we set up the budget, we actually just took your advice. We set up an Excel spreadsheet and we tracked how much we were spending for a month or even two months. And we found out that we would allocate maybe about $400 for food. But because we both were in the medical profession, you know, you really don't have time to really, you know, make a good breakfast or make a good lunch. You're at work all the time. So you'd spend money at the 
cafeteria. So we calculated all of that stuff. We were spending literally close to an additional $400 on like fast food and all the stuff at the cafeteria. So it's close to like $800 that was leaving and going towards food. Not to mention, we weren't really eating all of the food mm -hmm. in the fridge, right? Because yep. we bought all these perishables and stuff. So you're absolutely right. Like once you put down what you're like, what's coming out, it's shocking. It's really dumb stuff. Right. It is. Oh, man. You know, I did the same thing when we were finally deciding we we're going to get our, our finances in order. We looked at how much we were spending on food one month in one month. And mind you, we weren't making a lot of money. I think probably our take home was somewhere around forty five, fifty thousand dollars when we first got married for combined for the two of us. We spent twelve hundred dollars on food one month. And I was like, that's because you're going to Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> we hadn't even discovered Whole Foods yet. We hadn't even discovered it yet. I looked. Not like we went and had like a nice steak dinner. We didn't go anywhere fancy. This was just a bunch of little expenses. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, snack, here and there adding up. And next thing you know, you've spent way too much money on food. So once you kind of had this epiphany and you kind of look back on your own and realize all of these different things, like how did you not get discouraged, right? And then how did you kind of just forge a path forward towards like joining a personal finance, you know, community, particularly like, you know, First of all, starting your own podcast, but then deciding to kind of just be open and honest with this. I'm not going to lie. This stuff, as someone for you who has a degree in finance and realizing all of these mistakes that you were making, there's got to be a little bit of some uh, embarrassment to it. I'm not going to lie. I felt embarrassed with my stuff. Like, how did you get past all of the discouragement and then deciding to join this group and be open and honest with people? It was tough. It was tough. I'm not going to lie. I didn't at first for years. I didn't talk about it. So it took us, I'd say about two and a half years. So after we got married, we ended up in about $27,000 worth of credit card debt because we paid for the wedding ourselves, and we for sure spent more than we should have. We didn't, I mean, oh, by yeah. some standards, you know, this wasn't a hundred thousand dollar wedding. We maybe spent, you know, 14, $15,000, uh, young people, you know, 24 and 25 getting married, but we had $0. So it was all on credit cards. Uh, we ended up buying furniture because we just moved in together. We didn't have anything. Medical bills popped up in that first year, school expenses, all these things hit $27,000. And I was just stressed and I was really down on myself about it because I went to school for this. I went to school. My concentration was in financial planning and I went here and made, I did all the opposite things that I should have done when it came to managing money. So after the stress got to me, we decided to make a plan and look at where we were, make some changes. I still never talked to anyone about it because it was like, how could I possibly tell someone I made these mistakes and then turn around and say, here's all the things you should do. It's like, to me, in my mind, I was telling myself, don't go together. You cannot be a trusted source if you're making mistakes. And what it did was it caused me to kind of pose into myself and just kind of sit in it and become really depressed about the situation. And because I never talked to anyone about it, I had no outlet. I had no way to release this pressure. I mean, I talked to my wife, we my wife talked about it, but it's kind of like, you know, we're both in it. So <laughs> we're both upset about it. So it's something different about kind of like, sometimes you have to talk to someone else. Sometimes your spouse is there for you a lot of things, but sometimes when you get in your head, you got to sometimes get out. Cause you're like, you know, they're just being nice. They're just, you know, they know we're married. They're not going to tell me all the truth of what's really going on. So looking back on it now, I wish I would have talked to someone else about it. Cause I ended up having a friend that I spoke to about me and him. We've known each other for years. And towards the end of us paying off his debt, I spoke with him about it. And I was like, Hey, this is what was going on, man. I was so stressed out. And he's like, oh, I had no idea. I was like, yeah, because I didn't tell anybody. And we kind of talked about it for a while. And it felt so good to get to let someone else know about the situation. And I was like, why hadn't I been doing this? Like, I would have felt so much better during this two and a half years of paying off this debt and the years leading up to it. 
that if I would have just been open and not, you know, think so highly of myself that I can't possibly make a mistake and everyone's going to judge me, that it would have relieved so much of the stress and, you know, turmoil I put myself in going through this process. Hey, docs, there's a saying. If you don't have a seat at the table, then you're probably on the menu. Now's the time to define your future by being a part of the Physician CEO program. Physician CEO is a business immersion program developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. You're getting an intensive MBA style education made up of modules that cover topics like leadership, entrepreneurial ventures, and everybody's favorite, branding. And guess what? This program is designed for busy physicians like yourself who don't have time for an MBA, but still want to be a better version of yourself. Trust me, the program gets you in focus from day one. So get those skills needed to lead a hospital or start a new venture. You're always going to ensure that there's an open seat waiting for you at the table. Don't miss this opportunity because class is filling up. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned that part about, you know, putting yourself on a pedestal, but it's true. Like we feel like we're infallible to some extent. And then when we make a mistake, then we don't want to tell anybody else. But, you know, and the reason why I mentioned that is because I actually felt the same way with my finances. I got married late. Me and my wife got married later in our life. But when we got married, we brought together a total of almost $700,000 of student loan mm. debt. And we were living paycheck to paycheck. And I was like, man, like, you know, for me, my parents came from a different country who were first generation immigrants. Both my parents were blue collar. And, you know, you want to kind of see that jump from generation to generation. And although I became a physician, I was a physician who was living paycheck to paycheck. So I was down in the dumps also. I was like, man, like all this work. And from a financial standpoint, I'm struggling just like my parents were, you know, and yeah. both of them total probably brought in like 40,000. It was an eye opening moment. But you know, just like you, once I got humble and vulnerable, I started finding podcasts like yours and, you know, other podcasts out there, which, you know, are really interesting. Like, what kind of podcasts do you listen to? What's kind of keeping you going? Where do you learn from? Oh, that's a great question. No, when I started getting into the whole uh, debt payoff journey that we had, and I, I discovered that there were these podcasts about managing your money and sharing stories, because you know, I was all into tech. I lo- so I listened to like a ton of technology podcasts, I listened to like CNET oh, yeah? and the Verge and all these different, I don't think the Verge was around then, but you know, I was listening to a bunch of different technology podcasts. And so when I found out about these people talking about money, I was like, oh, well, let me hear what they have to say. And so one of the ones I remember most vivid is uh, Paychecks and Balances. It's uh, Rich Jones and Marcus Garrett. They, oh, they yeah. both run the show. I've had them as guests. Funny thing is I listened to them long before They're I rock met stars them. just like no. you. <laughs> <laughs> They're OGs. They've been doing this longer than I have. But everyone who hasn't been to FinCon, let me tell you something right now. Whenever Chris is walking at FinCon, everybody is all around him. Just the same way with paychecks and balances. That's why I say y'all are like rock stars, man. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And you know, the good thing is they're good guys still, despite all that attention. They, yeah. They're still good guys. And yeah. they were talking openly about their finances. And Marcus, one of his big parts of his story is all the debt he had and how he got out of it. And it was like hearing stories like that. I was like, oh, so people actually get through this, even though, you know, I was slowly working towards it. It's like, oh, it's a whole different ball game when you hear other people talk about money. So for sure, uh, them, Jamila Souffrant, she has a, a podcast Ooh, called Journey to yeah. Launch. Yeah, she's got a good one. She's a rock star too, man. Yeah, so Jamila was my very first guest on the show. And she had actually started a show, I think, a couple months after I did. 
but she was already established. She was already doing her thing. She's already a big voice in the community. And so she was one of the very first people who kind of helped me connect and learn the ropes when it came to podcasting and introduced me to different people. So I always appreciate her help. I consider her a mentor for all the help that she's given me and continues to give me advice. And her, along with Paychecks and Balances, are two of the, I think, strongest voices who also are representing the African-American community as well in the podcasting space. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we've gotten a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Like, what other things do you think like professionals can do to get a little bit more like kind of sophisticated with their personal finances? Because once we start talking about budgeting and allocating and so forth, like how do they get the confidence to really start, you know, managing money on their own? Or do you recommend working with a certified financial planner or anything like that? I think there's definitely situations where you would get a professional involved. It really depends on what you're dealing with and what your goals are. And that really leads me to like the second thing I would recommend to people is to figure out what your financial goals are. Like, what are you working towards? Because then I think all these steps, so understanding where you are, selecting some goals you want to work towards, give you direction and give you an understanding of what it is you want to achieve. Because once you have that down, then you can really start making progress and making a plan to get to where you want to be. Because if you're just throwing money here, throwing money there, buying this house, just there's so many things you can do with your money that you can end up so scattered and so spread thin that you're not really making significant progress in any area. So for me, especially if you're married as well, having some goals. So that way, one, you get on the same page, you can agree on, this is where we're going. It's not just your plan, this is their plan, you're together on it. And then being very specific and don't make like a list of 50 goals because that just leaves you in the same position as if you didn't write any goals at all. You're just spread too thin, it's all over the place. Something I've really been focusing on this year as well is what are three big things I want to achieve? What are three things that are my focus right now? And then once I start knocking some of those out, then let me add something new to the list because then I know I can focus and I can actually make progress on these goals. So I would say for sure, sit down, think about what's important to you. Is it uh, retiring at a certain age? Is it being able to have a home somewhere else? Maybe you want a second home somewhere you really enjoy. Is it putting your kids through college? Is it being able to help your family out? You know, what is it that's important to you and that's going to help you get up every day and continue to work towards these goals? Because it gives you purpose. It gives you focus and it gives you purpose. And that's going to keep you going. Because if it's just, I want to have a lot of money, I mean, that's great. But what is that going to do for you? That's not really tangible. It's just an idea and a concept, but it may not have any real meaning to you. So for me, I would say, sit down, set goals, then you can make decisions on is this something like, for example, if you're saying, I want to leave money for my kids, my kids' kids. Now, you may need a professional to help you with that. Maybe you need to set up a trust and you're going to need some assistance with that. I'm sure most people don't just know how to set up a trust <laughs> as well as, you know, that's not in their bag of skills. So when you realize what you it is. You probably don't want to leave towards, it to YouTube. <laughs> no, I would, please don't look up a YouTube video on how to write a trust. It may not, uh, right. it may not work out too well for you. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you can, once you have these goals in mind, then you can realize, you can figure out, do I know how to do this? Or do I have the time to learn this skill to know how to do this properly? And if the answer to both those questions is no, then that's when you bring in someone who's, who's studied this. So like, just like if you're in the medical field, you've studied your craft, you've become an expert in your field. Same thing goes for money. Sometimes there's something that's just out of your expertise. It's just too far out there, too specific. You may need to bring in someone else to actually help you get through that specific task. Good points. Good points. Well, look, I'm going to ask you something a little controversial because you actually kind of brought it up. So if you happen to have a partner, right, spouse, mm -hmm. partner, whatever it may be, and, you know, you're talking about retirement and so forth, like the thing that I get really confused about, and I tried to figure this out when we were going through our debt payoff 
we really found that when we put all of our money together, we were really able to accelerate our payoff. So mm. rather than look at it as, listen, this is your debt. You handle yours. <laughs> I got mine. I got my issues. And I'm going to handle my thing. And then I'm going to put in a little bit for the electricity. You put in for the food. Bet. We good. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, never really understand that. I'm not, and this is not me, you know, because there's people who are listening right now who are in that situation. It totally works for them. I'm not clapping back on that. But I just want to know, like, how does that work when you work with people where they have separate finances and then like they get to a certain age and it's like, what if you had separate finances for a certain period of time and like one person can retire and then the other person <laughs> can't retire? It's like, I'll see you it's when like, you're done. I'll see you in Greece. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Greece. Peace. Like, how does that work? Like, what are your thoughts when you see those type of situations? Do you always encourage people to, you know, try their best to kind of bring all of their monies together? Or is there just some type of, you know, mathematical calculation with separate finances that people know, like, give me this, give me the information. How, how do you do this? That can be tough. That can be, <laughs> that can be tough. That's an awkward conversation for some people. It is. It is. It's a conversation you need to have for one. So, I mean, as weird and as awkward as talking to your, your significant other about how you're going to be managing your money can be, you have to have that conversation. You can't just go in guessing and just hoping it's all going to come together in the end. But the thing with money, there's no one way to do it. There's like, it's not like you do these steps and everything's going to be perfect and you're going to be happy and you're going to be rich. You know, you can't do that. Everyone has their own approach and their own take on it, which is fine. And for some people putting your money together in one bank account and just running everything through there, that's going to work. It's going to work for them. You're probably going to run into some hiccups. Everyone, you know, there's oh, growing yeah. pains with it. But that works oh, yeah. for other people. Like, nope, I got my account. They have their account. We sit down. We talk about what's going to be due for the month and we'll, we'll figure it out. It really depends. For me personally, this is how I feel. I think it's best to put it together, to have your joint account with the vast majority of your money, your finances going in there together and then working as a team. We still do have separate accounts. My wife and I both have an uh, individual account. Chris, what you account. be spending on your side no. of the money, Chris? What you be spending on your side of the money, yo? If, it, if it's not food, as we already established, that's where all my money's going. It's some piece so of electronics. Jordan, you Jordans or something? You know, honestly, it'll be a computer screen. It's going uh, to be some type of electronic device. Right, if so I have techie. free money. Oh, man. Any type of random gadget I can buy, that's where my money's going. Do you watch uh, MKBHD videos at all? I caught a couple of his. Yeah. He gets access to some stuff. I'm like, how did yeah. you get in there? How are you talking he, to Elon Musk right now? He'll make you spend money, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop watching bad. those. Un- <laughs> no, right. I had to stop watching those unboxing therapy videos because man, right? Oh, I just recently watched one. Even though I said I'm not gonna watch it, I just recently watched one where he had like this tab. <laughs> this is this is like the least useful gadget I ever need to buy, but it's like a tablet. That's specifically for writing on, so it simulates paper, but that's all it is. It's not you, you can't watch a YouTube video on it. All it's meant for is like writing and taking notes. I was like, that actually sounds really useful. But I was like, yeah, so when's it getting delivered to your house? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw it was five hundred dollars, I was like, it is not getting delivered to my house. <laughs> but that's what the other account is for, Chris. <laughs> what we like about that? We're ourselves right now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't let my wife have a copy of this uh, conversation. But no, we talk about it beforehand. We set in our budget. We say we each are getting X amount of dollars every paycheck. So I'll just say for us, it's hundred fifty dollars a month. We send to each other's accounts, or we just have it set up to where it goes to the accounts, and we say, I don't care what you do with this. We're not going to ask each other questions. It has its own debit card to go along with it. This is the no judgment zone because it allows you to spend freely. Without it being, hey, I saw you went to, I don't know, <laughs> Home Goods 
yesterday. What was that about? What were you getting? Do we need that? You know, it, it removes all those Chris questions. Being, why are you trying to be all rated G about it, man? <laughs> <laughs> you went to Home Goods. Anybody go to home, just... home Goods, Chris? Come on. <laughs> I was trying to think of the problem. I was like, what should I say right now as this example? <laughs> it's all good, man. Trust me. You can say oh, but, whatever you, know, you want. It's, to it's a way to, it's, so it's not an excuse to just, you know, do things you shouldn't be doing, <laughs> but it gives you the freedom to spin without judgment. And I think that's where a lot of couples run into issues. I know we've run into issues in the past with my wife with that. It's what are you doing with this money or why are you spending this or do, you know, sometimes people just want to buy them just because they want to. And there's no real reason behind it. Just, I would like this. And so for us, that's the method we've used to kind of squash that type of money arguments. Like here, we have our joint account. The majority of the money is going in here. The majority of everything we're handling financially is running out of this account, but we both have our own separate accounts. Do what we want. We don't ask questions about it. And it's worked really well for us. So that's a way to kind of navigate that space of joining accounts together. I think it's a great idea. It allows you to still have autonomy, but also work as a couple, dream together, build together, and so forth. So I, I think it's a great idea. So you know, I'd like to wrap it up with you, Chris. So let me ask you the last question. Like, why did you decide to name it Popcorn Finance? Why did you decide for like short type episodes? You know, it really came from me looking for a short form podcast. So I was, I've, I've been listening to podcasts since, I don't know, 2008, 2009, on my commute to school and to work. And there's a lot of great shows, but a lot of them are like an hour long. And I was like, I love these shows, but I can only add so many to my feed before I get overwhelmed. And I'm like, and I get like, I have this weird completionist issue where I'm like, well, I got to listen to all of them. I had too many that were coming out like daily. And I was like, you can't have like three daily hour long podcasts and to keep up with that. It just, it, I couldn't do it. So I was like, I wonder what would it be like to have like a short form podcast? And I was like, well, what if I make one? It's like, I kind of been thinking about making a podcast. Why not make it short? And so then I was like, well, all right, what's going to be the premise? What's going to keep me short on time? Like what's going to make me stick to this? And so I was thinking, I don't know, I was just in a brainstorming one day with a notepad. And I was like, oh, you know, popcorn, cooking in a microwave. A microwave is basically like a big timer. I can say, oh, this is like, you know, I can relate this to popcorn. And that's how I can say I'm going to keep these episodes short and reference the clock on the microwave as my timer for the episode. And that's kind of where the whole premise behind popcorn finance came about. It was, I tried different combinations of popcorn and different words for money and finance fit the best. I was like, okay, all right, this is going to be my thing. So. That's been, uh, that's a whole premise and idea behind the naming of the show and why it's actually short. Oh, I love it, man. It's great. It's good for me. And yo, is it finance or is it finance? Which way is it? If you want to be fancy, <laughs> <laughs> you can say finance, <laughs> but I say finance. <laughs> mm, man, I love it. I love it. Well, look, Chris, man, thank you so much for coming on this show. There's a lot of things that doctors can learn from you and from your podcast. And I just want to acknowledge you for what you're doing you know, going out there and going into the space, teaching people how to better take control of their finances, deciding that you want to go for a short form podcast, mainly because a lot of people are busy and they don't have time really to listen to the long form one. So it's great to know that there's a medium out there for people who, you know, fit the bill. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Man, we got to do this again. This was fun, man. So. Oh yeah, for sure. It was great talking with you again. I'm happy we got to connect and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey, can you take a moment just to let people know more about you, where they can find you and connect with you? Oh, yeah. So if you want to reach out to me, the best place to do it is, I'd say, on Instagram. So you can just look for me at Popcorn Finance Podcast. Catch me on a Tuesday. I'm doing Tiny House Tuesdays every week. I love tiny homes. I feature tiny homes. I talk about them. I talk about them on the show. I don't know why I love them. I'm not a tiny person, but for some reason, I love tiny homes. So you can find me <laughs> over on Instagram talking about that. Or is that you what you're saving up for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've thought about it. As soon as California fixes some of these laws, I might have to build a tiny home. <laughs> 
<laughs> over on the corner. That's about the only house I can afford out here right now. But yeah, reach me over there or head over to where you listen to this show. You can find me over there just like <laughs> Popcorn Binance. Awesome. Awesome.